2: Download the free Angie Mobile app today, or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I.com.
3: Welcome to the ID10T podcast, number ten sixty one. Hey, how are you? I hope you're doing okay. I really do. Um, I'm putting up a ton of podcasts now. This is the week of April twentieth, and uh, and a lot of people are, you know, they don't have traditional means of promoting stuff. So they're looking to podcasts to come on. And then also, I think, just looking for stuff to do. And so I'm just posting as many as are coming in, um, just sort of thinking like, hey, they're there. If you want to listen to them, if you listen to one, great. If you listen to all of them, fantastic. If you listen to none of them, that's fine too. And you're not even going to hear this anyway. I guess my point is, you know, whatever things might have been considered <laughs> lazy and time-wasty before, playing a lot of video games, watching a lot of Netflix or whatever, listening to a ton of podcasts. Uh, I'm basically just saying, don't feel bad or beat yourself up if you're doing that to eat up time or waste time uh, during your quarantine. Because I just think like, hey, whatever, do what you got to do, you know, to get through the day and feel comfortable and don't feel bad about Don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad about consuming a bunch of stuff and don't feel bad about wasting time if you need to. The only thing I would recommend is just like, just make sure you, uh, you know, you're just uh, staying on top of your mental health. I want you to be healthy. I want you to remember that you can still connect with people and uh, don't forget to do that and um, just make sure that, you know, I just want you to feel okay. Uh, during this time. So that's it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for listening to this. Uh, if you are and uh, hang in there, we'll get through this. We really will. It's the ID10T community Court board from folks like you, the ID10T community, like Connor, who writes... I went and made a pop culture website. In 2018, we launched CRPWrites.com, a website that focuses on casual movie reviews, top 10 lists, film essays, and all things pop culture, all with cinephiles in mind. New content is posted every week with our independent team of writers who are always exploring new movies and television. Just a few years back, I wouldn't have been brave enough to launch a site online, let alone reach out to thank you for inspiring me to get out there. Connor, that is so nice. I really appreciate that. And I applaud you for taking the step and making it happen. You you made a thing and now it exists in the world. You manifested a thing. I'm very proud of you, Connor. Thank you for sharing and to anyone else, be like Connor and make a thing. And you can then uh, shoot us an email at events at 10 tcom to let us know about that thing. And... Now let's talk about this episode. Oh, events at ID10T.com, by the way, if, you're, if you want to get your thing, uh, events at ID10T.com. So this episode is Thomas Middleditch. Uh, his performing partner, Ben Schwartz, was on a handful of weeks back because they have three episodes of Middleditch and Schwartz uh, on Netflix as of now. Uh, the 21st is the premiere date. This is going up on the 21st. Isn't it magical how things work out that way? But they did, they recorded three of their live improv shows, and their shows are selling out. Like, they were selling out, like, huge theaters all over the country. But both just phenomenal performers, incredible improvisers, really nice guys, uh, and just incredible talents. So... This is uh this is Thomas Middleditch of Middleditch and Schwartz and also Silicon Valley which is a show that is probably relevant to your interest if you listen to this podcast but uh this was of course this is audio only but I'm doing all these with video conferencing software just so it's you know because it's easier to talk when you can see people and uh <laughs> Thomas did this whole thing he was basically just fully clothed in a dry bathtub um, it just sort of huddled up in a bathtub the whole time. So that was a, uh, it was just a fun, just not, not what I expected to, but honestly, I think he's onto something. Cause there is a, there's a, like a weird knot in my shoulder from leaning on my desk to lean into the camera on my desktop computer. And a bathtub has the perfect amount of angle to support your back so it's like you're sort of reclining but not fully so i think maybe it's not a bad thing if you're having back problems through all this maybe just try the tub maybe try the tub as a place just put like a a pillow or like a towel or something down uh for you know so you're not like right on the porcelain and uh and there you go Uh, Courtesy of Thomas Middleditch, which is the episode of ID10T number 1061, which begins a now.
2: Initiating ID10T protocol.
3: Not much. Have, I know this is crazy. Have you heard about this, like, pandemic thing? Is that a thing that you've heard anything uh, about?
1: No, no, not really. I'm just a, I'm just a man sitting in a jacuzzi tub without any water in it. eating.
3: <laughs> oh, my God, you are in your
1: bathroom. So <laughs> toast and locks, baby. That's all that's happening. <laughs> is that's all is that the happens. lighting better in that room? What's the... Well, I don't know. I was outside for a bunch of this stuff, and now, and now I was too warm. And so this just feels like a fun place to do it and a good height for the camera.
3: Shit, that's a really good idea. I was just complaining to Katie, my producer, that uh, ever since quarantine, I've developed this really bad kink in my like right shoulder blade because I'm leaning forward all the time. Either doing Zoom meetings or podcasts or like or playing Animal Crossing on the Switch, so I'm hunched over like this.
1: Literally, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get myself a Switch, but they're sold out everywhere. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah, that. so we'll try and get it. we we'll get a, a Switch and then play some Animal Crossing. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I'm still I, a deep PC man. I got a, I'm a PC boy.
3: I just I just became a Switch buds with uh, Ben Schwartz. So I'm gonna to have to visit his Animal Crossing island, and uh, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have Animal Crossing. Just a sw—oh no, that's see. right. He's playing Mario Kart. That's what he's playing. Yeah, he he just asked me if I'm playing Mario Kart, and I was like, he goes, "There was a championship the other day." I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm knee-deep in Animal Crossing right now. I've not. But you could join for a championship. Come on, don't be a pussy. <laughs> Come on, Chris! No, God! <laughs> you can do it. Don't oh, be, don't be, be like that. Good. I don't know. You'll do great. Are you PC gaming? Are you playing games right now? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you playing? Like a, like a, like it's a job. <laughs> it kind of is your job right now. It is my job. It's your job is to stay job. home, and if that keeps you home, then that's that's kind of a yeah. Job.
1: It not only keeps me home, but it keeps me up at night,
3: which uh, is fine because what do you have to get up for? You know, like what? nothing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, this podcast. Just, this is all just one long day. It's yeah. like uh, Quarren's Day. Like it's just one long. It's, all the days are the same. It really day. is.
1: It's really hard to differentiate the stuff, especially like yeah, I'm playing this game on PC. It just came out. The, same, the trouble with PC games is every game that comes out, it's like early access, right? Mm-hmm. It's always early access. So it's just, you're essentially just playing like a beta. So nothing's finished. Everything's in development. You get bored of the game by the time they finally release it. It's very frustrating.
3: Well, so, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I do. I, I, I am kind of torn in between. So like the example that I can give right now is Animal Crossing because that's what I was playing. The old Animal Crossing game was on 3DS, and it was on a cartridge, and it was done. Like you just played a finished game, And now the advantage with updates is that you get DLC, but then they can also go in and change things, or shit, there are bugs that they kind of go in and have to fix, or, you know, like, there were cool hacks in the game before where you could get stuff and they fixed those. And so I do wonder, as a culture of people who are, like, just fine buying things that aren't done yet like we're always we're always beta testing shit because always nothing is ever done and it's like yeah it's easy to blame the tech companies but at the same time as consumers we demand new stuff constantly
1: yeah it's become to the it's come to the point where in, in video games like I'm so blown away when something actually is released and feels done. <laughs> like, that's such an exception to the norm, especially in PC games, like indie game stuff. It's just like, it doesn't happen.
3: Well, I can't imagine what the competitive nature is like to have like a game company and sort of feel like, fuck, we have to get this out there. Like we just have to get it out there. There's no- Yeah, because I- that will
1: generate the revenue to complete the game. Like it's a business model that... You have to have early access. Otherwise, you won't be able to make your game on this tiny budget.
3: It is shocking to me how, I mean, I am I am old enough to remember when you, like, I, my growing up, I was just the beginning of, like, disposable technology culture, where it was like, oh, you know, like, home game consoles or, like, VCRs. In a couple years, there's going to be a new model that's going to do new right. stuff. There's going to be this sort of, like, Moore's Law Curve. Now we just accept that nothing is permanent and tech companies design things to not last, to burn out, and we accept that. And we actually get mad when there's not a new thing to buy. Like the, con- the consumerism shit is, it's, I'm not, I mean, I can't fully knock it because I do it. So, mm-hmm. but it is weird that all of our stuff. You don't have to go back very far to look at things where people just thought they would buy, like, one telephone and then just have it forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Man, I
1: remember when our telephone had stored numbers. That was pretty exciting. When the home phone, you could store numbers in it and have a speed dial.
3: Yeah, you could store, like, eight numbers. And basically, (laughs) it was like, you know, who was in your MySpace top eight? Who who made Who made the Speed Dial?
1: It's pretty exciting. Like for me, like as a kid, as well as like a teen, to like get one of the slots and be like, "Oh fuck, who's going to be in that slot?"
3: (laughs) And now our entire culture is just about filling filling favorite slots. Like it's yeah, it's unlimited uh, slots. How do you fill unlimited slots? Unlimited slots. Nothing is special anymore. Nothing is special anymore. Which is why. How do you? Yeah. Oh, is this a segue to the this beginning to be of the episode? Back to your special. Which is why doing a, an improv comedy show is epic. Because it really captures a moment. You know what I mean? Like, it, it really makes something special in another one. Well, although your shows are effectively, I don't want to say disposable, but they're all unique. So They're serial. Yeah, they're ethereal. There's not They're all of the moment. So there's not any one, it's not even like you can really sit back on one, ah, this is my, whereas my comedy special is really the culmination of like, this is what I've been working on for the last couple of years. Here it is. Yeah. Now I got to start this process over. Yours is like one and done. And then we just do a different one the next night. It, it's weird in the sense that, like, well, A, this is the first time that Ben and I have even
1: seen our comedy. <laughs> you know, it's the first time we've filmed it and therefore watched it and like dissected it in that way. I've been like, huh, interesting. But also, because we do a, do a different one every single time, it's strange in a sense that, like, these three are the ones that get held up as like the examples of the show on Netflix globally. Right. (laughs) You know, they're not bad. They're great shows. We're very proud of them. But like so many of the times, especially since the doing these specials, we've gone on stage off stage of just, you know, whatever, just random tour show. And they're like, man, that was like one of our top tens. If only that had been (laughs) filmed, but you can't, you can only increase the odds of capturing it. You can't willfully capture
3: uh, it. This is why I've always had a problem with improv. And 20 years ago, when I was at the fork of, you know, taking groundlings classes. Like, am I gonna well, do? It
1: before you finish that, I thought you were gonna you, you, when you were at the Fork. Like, that was a comedy club that I didn't. Hadn't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect name for a comedy. Club. <laughs> Twenty yeah, years ago, was when I was up at the Fork.
3: Man, uh... <laughs> yeah, when I was at the Fork in Dubuque, it's this uh, you know, it's a comedy club. It's the back of this diner. You gotta um, understand, man. It was me, Perbiglia. We, we were just, we were just like slugging it out back there, you know, performing for like <laughs> three people. But those days at the Fork, man, they made us, you know, <laughs> made us. Yeah, uh, I, I was sort of the Fork of my comedy and crossroads. It was like, well, stand up was always my passion. I do love riffing, so maybe I'll like improv. And then I realized, well, I'm not. I can riff, but I'm not like a great traditional improviser. And also. I cannot help, but second guess everything afterwards. Like, fuck, why didn't I say this? Why did I do this? Why didn't I do this? And that stress has always really kept me from exploring like structured improv as a thing. Cause I just beat myself up too much afterwards.
1: Well, I just, but there's different, you're doing it, especially when you're working out, like when you're working on new material and you just want to like go in some way and, half the stuff gets written that night when you're on stage or whatever. That's still the same thing. It's it's improv, but without the guise of scene work and characters and maybe a little bit of plot, right? It's just like, here's your joke. Here's like the funny thing you want to say and the funny thing that you want to highlight and let's pile on and like keep, keep doing that kind of stuff. Th- that's like really the only... I would say that's the big difference between improv with a capital I (laughs) is that like the medium of what you're trying to have, how you're trying to deliver this comedy is like, uh, scene, scene work. And, you know, with Ben and I, it ends up being kind of a little play, like a whole story folds out, but then you could go to, I don't know, Ascad or some, something else. And it's like, you're just watching these, you know, scenes that might connect at the end, but they're kind of, they're, they're each their own little, you know, disconnected story. Um, that's kind of the big difference though, I think, but you're
3: still improvising. No, but you have to be comfortable with, like, I feel like with stand-up, there really is sort of like a, your special is sort of an expression of like a, a perfect model. Like there is a goal of perfection, I think with a stand-up set, like these are the most polished versions of jokes up to this point. And then it's sort of like, I guess it is the difference between like like something that's done and then like a beta test, which is, You know, with stand-up, it's like, these are perfectly formed, and here they are. But I feel like with an improv show, you have to be comfortable with, like, yeah, some parts were great, some parts, you know, like, there there were ups and downs. But as a process, as a whole, it was was perfect. I like
1: where you're going with this, Chris. Stand-up, when you shoot a stand-up comedy special, you're having a fully patched release day comedy. Yes, yes. And when you're doing improv, it's early access.
3: (laughs) But it might be, but you have to be comfortable with however it went. It's like, however it went, we didn't really, I guess maybe it's an issue of control. With stand-up, you really control it. With uh, improv, you don't, because it's, it's collaborative, it's a team effort, it's a relationship with the audience, it's all of these things. But then that also leads to a potentially incredibly magical special experience because you all have this unique thing that is, that is, that's dead. The second it's done, it's over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sense of discovery is a big part of the joy of improv. And also like, I think with more experienced Improvisers, the, there's a like a, a, I don't know. I, I don't like calling them rules. I like calling them I don't know philosophies or whatever that improv of like there are no mistakes. And with seasoned improvisers, you really you really see that because something weird or unexpected happens, and a new person would think that's wrong and try to <laughs> correct it, you know? Right. But um, I think especially with, like what I love about performing with Ben is like we'll maybe stumble into something a bit weird or, or something, and we're like, great, no. This, this part of it, and the whole like warts and all aspect of the improv show is that's the fun part of it. Is that it is a little messy. It is we are like,
3: God, I love it. We are beta testing. Okay, good. Yes,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> keep it going. But it's a beta <laughs> test with with a concept Like when you when you connect with like a comedy soulmate, uh, and for you know for me, it's probably my friend Mike Furman. Where when we're on stage together i just feel a comfort level of no matter what i say mike's gonna have like a thing that's gonna activate it like i feel perfectly comfortable with him on stage because i know no matter what it is he's gonna knock it back in a way that i'm gonna we activate each other in a really magical way yeah yeah oh yeah 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 i think
1: uh when it's improv and somehow in this situation, how Ben and I have found ourselves doing two person improv for like bigger and bigger audiences, bigger in theaters. And now, and now this, it requires a great deal of, of trust. Like the idea of like, I'm going to like do this initiation or do this character or just sort of like say this thing. And I, I know that no matter what I'll do, you'll, you'll make sense of it. You'll integrate it somehow. You won't be like, "Uh, uh, what are you doing? You know? (laughs) You know, that won't happen. And even if it does, even if like what I love about performing with Ben is we treat the show, yes, like an improvised play, but also at the same time like a kind of vaudeville duo. So like if he makes a move or something that I kind of don't really understand, I'll be like, wait, where are you going with this? I'll literally just like ask him as Thomas and he'll, he's definitely done that to me. You know, (laughs) he's like, are we sure we want to do this right now? Like it's a little early for a wizard character, you know, whatever. (laughs) And and that looseness is really fun because like so much of improv, especially doing improv in Chicago, it's like, it's a bit, it's sometimes it's a bit too sacred for its own good. And I like, I really like the, the looseness that Ben and I do.
3: Yeah, but that's what's great is that I think you have to learn you, you, you have to have that tight, unforgiving structure and then understand it so then you can break it, you know, like yeah. you kind of be who you are and, and break it. But and I would I would also say that like my I think definitely
1: compared to some like constant regular stand ups, my limited experience with stand up is like to make sure you're kind of always highlighting what's funny about it. I think, man, when I, if I compare like the approach to comedy with a lot of Chicago improvisers, they are like, it's very, it's like for the art and that's a very noble cause, but I'm just kind of like, no, (laughs) people came here to laugh, man. (laughs) Let's get after it here. Like, like, let's get there, you know?
3: Well, that is also sort of a like having kind of developed in the, I guess, you know, what you would call the alternative comedy scene in L.A., when, when comedy gets really alternative, it's almost like I feel like there's a little bit of it's a little punk in the sense that yeah. you're trying to like you're kind of trying to push the audience away a little bit or lose them from time to time or like be above them in a way where it's like, yeah, I don't fucking care if they get it or not. You know, this is for me. <laughs> And then at a certain point, you're like, well, yeah, maybe some of it should be for them. <laughs> you know? but, yeah. You know, maybe it should be about, like, you, you, you. I think you have to go through that period so that you can go, oh, you know what? I think this is just supposed to be fun and we can fuck around. And there's, the, the, you know, like, yeah, there's a structure, but it should also, like, that shouldn't take precedence over what's fun about being in front of strangers and trying to pull them all together, you know, for this hour and a half that we're all together and have this like flash community experience yes totally i think that thread of like
1: i think people want to see that thread of punk if you will as you say (laughs) to that sort of like has the person say like i don't care if you get it or not but make no mistake you do you do care like without the audience enjoying it it's pointless (laughs) right Right, right, right. It's right, pointless. Right. You might as well just do that show by yourself.
3: <laughs> well, and we might have to for, for a little while. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to figure... Dad, out... How many virtual comedy festivals have you been invited to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I dropped in my friend Jackie Cation, who's a stand-up I adore. Um, mm-hmm. She's been doing like Zoom shows where she invites uh, like, you know, 300 people or whatever. Because I think she's getting ready for a special. So she's been doing them in her room and i dropped in on one and watched and it actually was working really well I, in a really? way like i didn't think you know because stand up what like, can you see the people can you see other people like yeah i did see like a couple people that were laughing like they would pop in and laugh because you do you do need that to a degree cuz you know i've been wondering like god you know, could we do, is there a way to do like a, like a short version of At Midnight, like via Zoom, where you're just like fucking around with topics with different comics. And at first I thought, well, you need, comedy needs an audience. Like you need an audience reaction. But then I thought, well, maybe you don't. Like if you just, if you just cut away a little bit quicker, so you're not waiting for the audience response, which would feel like dead air if you hold for a laugh yeah
4: it's
1: like when it's like those friends episodes without the laugh check how strange (laughs) they feel
3: or even like you know like a show like silicon valley which is single camera you know it's like single camera conquered comedy without having to have the audience tell you where to laugh because you just they just figured out an editing process where it it the timing of it again comedy is timing it doesn't necessarily need to be a certain thing it's just like well this is a different presentation. So you just got to time it differently. So can we present stand-up or improv or like a comedy game show in a way that still works? Cause we figured out how to time the jokes to, to fit. Yeah. Medium? I think
1: I've always thought that, and this is like alienated, alienating in the sense that there's a technology and hardware barrier that you just like have to own a VR set. But I always thought like, it would be really cool. Like even in a live show, right. You have an audience, but you tape off one seat in the middle to have a a live feed of a three hundred and sixty VR thing. So you could buy your virtual ticket and be next to real audience members, and everybody's in that nice seat. But the but a not a lot of people have like VR sets, and then b I think the technology of streaming at that level of fidelity, three D audio, three D video is a little tricky. But that would be cool with audience members, and I wonder if you could just do it. If you could just do it with nobody and it's like you seeing your material, material directly, like one person in the audience, even though it could be a thousand, but at least you get that
3: experience of like
1: sitting in a room as opposed to sitting in a screen of the Zoom thing.
3: I wonder, but I wonder if you would just sound like a crazy person who, like, went up to someone in a library and was like, you know what's weird about Cheap Fits, you know? Like, <laughs> hey, buddy! Well, maybe you frame it like that. There are certain,
1: like, I mean, John Oliver's, like, his show fits in that sort of, like, delivering monologue kind of things. Like, it, it, I miss the audience, but I've I've enjoyed his s- stuff without it.
3: Yeah, I mean funny people
1: adapt, you know, like they just like Not really- me. I'm not doing anything. I'm just playing video games. I'm not adapting.
3: <laughs> well, I actually did the thing that you're talking about. I did for my last special because in 2016 Comedy Central was really big on VR. It's it was that it was that period of time when like, you know, the, like E3 and and uh um, you know, everything was like, oh, VR is the next big. Everything was coming up, Oculus. Yes. And so they we shot some, some VR for my special. And what I found is that watching it as an audience member, you don't, it was too much freedom, right? Like you really need someone to direct your attention, especially when you're watching comedy. Because yeah. when I watched the VR part of it, what I found is that I was busy looking around, going, look at that guy's shoes. Oh, look at that thing. You know, like you just it was it was too unfocused because the energy of the room kinda if when you're in the room, it sort of helps focus you. But when you're when you're disconnected from the energy of the it doesn't it didn't bring me into the room the way that I the way that I think we had hoped that it would. It just sort of felt like you're uh it almost feels like you're a ghost and you're like, yeah. wow. No one else can see me, you know. Like, yeah, it didn't really feel like what I thought it would feel like. So yeah, that's that's know. a lot
1: of VR experience. I've 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 found it's just like you're like putting it on and you're just sort of being like,
3: huh, neat, you know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all it is. Did you? I imagine you guys probably had tour dates that you had to put off.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And boy, I guess they're like much more indefinite than. In a few months, like I think, I know big I congregations are going to get kicked way down the road.
3: Well, I just saw today, today being April sixteenth, that you know Tom York moved a bunch of dates to September, and that made me weirdly feel hopeful because I feel like, oh, Tom York, he's on the cu- he's on the cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> he probably
1: knows something that I don't. Tom know. Tom York has a direct line to the CDC.
3: He has a direct. <laughs> he knows what's up, but. Like, oh, my dates come back in September, and even now I'm kind of going, I don't know, or even if people are allowed to congregate, are they gonna to want to in september yeah I, and I, I don't know I feel like I feel like
1: um festivals seem scarier than big theaters, and big theaters seem scarier than small theaters, so I think like like- personally if i being worried about it i'm gonna I'd rather go up at like Largo than begin another big, huge tour and playing at multiple thousand seat theaters. Just because like,
3: for some reason, it's like the more people, the (laughs) the higher the odds. Well, I was going to, I wanted to pitch to Flanagan. Someone must have pitched this to him. It's like, hey, can we do like a socially distanced show from Largo where you stream a show from Largo? People pay to get in. Maybe it's a donation to charity or whatever, but it's a limited number of people. And you kind of do these, you know, these shows where there's no audience, but you're just sort of like, you know, they've been doing thrilling adventure, adve, thrilling adventure hour, uh, like they've been doing like live streams of thrilling adventure hour, the the Acker and Blacker, and yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like people are adapting and people are figuring it out, but I don't know. Even in the situation where okay, we'll let people back into theaters, but everyone's got to sit like four seats apart. Like comedy needs, like you need people, you like you need proximity. I think because that's how an audience kind of comes together. When people are scattered around a live venue, they it, it gets patchy and weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know the the secret to like virtual comedy. I've certainly been asked to join in, and I'm just like no, because I just I, I don't. I don't have an an angle. (laughs) And I certainly don't want to just be like on zoom, like throwing out lame half bike stuff.
3: Well, it's just like, we're like comedians are kind of energy vampires. Like we need, yeah. (laughs) We we need like you. I would, I would always say before, you know, like before we would tape an episode of at midnight, I would say to the audience, like, you know what? I'm not saying fake laugh, but just like be engaged because the more, the more engaged you are, the more you react, the funnier, literally the funnier we become because comics feed off that energy. And we need, like, you you sort of like you feel that thing in you that wakes up when people react and then you you get better because you're engaged, because they're engaged. Yeah. It's
1: like, it's, there, there, there are little bits of cocaine that make us think we're super hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I never thought of it as like a coke binge, but you're totally right. Oh, my God, it's fucking funny right now. Yeah, I'm fucking killing it. Jesus Christ. Yeah.
4: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
0: Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code WONDERY. Cast. But it's...
3: uh, (laughs) I think your specials are coming out at a good time for people to you know, like have the time to sit down and watch all of them, but it also must be frustrating. because It's like, fuck, this is, you know, like we want to be out doing shows now that the special is out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We definitely would love to tour with the momentum of the special behind us, which would sort of come after uh, next week, I suppose. But I will say, although it kind of feels like, I feel, I don't, It might just be putting it on myself, but I feel like a bit guilty promoting anything during this thing. But at the same time, like if I think about what I'm experiencing, which is like a tremendous amount of boredom (laughs) and just like, God, I'm every day. I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do now? If I can, if Ben and I can somehow to people just be like, this is, check this out. It's funny. Maybe this might take some hours off the day and you might enjoy this. I think it's like, okay, that's my value as an entertainer ticked so yeah hopefully yeah, I wouldn't that wouldn't bad, bad about it
3: I, I wouldn't feel bad about promoting promoting stuff because it's i mean I, I don't think anyone would think you're saying like what what we're doing is more important than what <laughs> workers are doing like no one no one thinks that but i do but seriously think. though
1: <laughs> but, it is a
3: bit <laughs> we're being honest we have this run about ass wiping that is <laughs> but, it, but but i think that it it it's, it it is an important thing. It's, it's not the most important thing, but it's not the least important thing either. Like it is because this is the tool set that you have. And if you can, like you said, if you can distract people for a few hours and make them feel better and make them feel safer, make them feel connected because they got to laugh and be transported for a few hours, that's, that is not nothing, you know, like it, it, it is, it's a, it's a good thing to be able to do. And I think people, I think when you are doing live shows again, you will find people coming up to you and going, I just want to say I was having like a super fucked up day in quarantine. I watched the <laughs> I felt so much better, it made me better around my family. It made me feel <laughs> like honestly, I do think that there are I do think it is it is a it is a good thing, and I wouldn't feel bad about promoting something that y'all like work hard on
1: yeah no that you, you have a good point i i think in if there is going to be uh some kind of quarantine like we are in now i'm i feel i feel happy that we had these in our back pocket ready to go right so that we're like here like here's here's something um whereas like on the tv front i just finished this like cbs pilot and that's like i would i'd be waiting kind of to find out if it got picked up anyway, and now I just like wait longer, and that's the only thing I can do is just wait longer. <laughs> oh yeah. Whereas <laughs> this thing's like ready to go, and it just so happens it's happening.
3: Uh, yeah, a lot wow. of times actors are on uh, sort of a career quarantine after they shoot a. <laughs> like, hey, is
1: this, yeah. can't do anything else. Uh, so, I know. Uh, in that respect, I feel very fortunate in the sense that, like, nothing too much would be changed. I'd probably just be like, taking more meetings, Hollywood hotshot. (laughs) But like, other than that, I'd still be waiting around. I feel fortunate that, you know, like this is a, like independent contractor business as it were. So like I got paid for my work and I'm not like freaking out about it. Or I just, I feel so much empathy for the folks that are like, fuck man, I don't have a job. What am I going to do?
3: Yeah. Which is, which is most people right now, you know, like so incredibly lucky that, even though we can't do everything that we normally do like the live performance stuff we can still um we can still make content or we can still do podcasts or we yeah. can still you know like put put stuff out there and that's that's part of our that's part of our job and so it is it is very it is very fortunate but this business i don't know how you feel about this i don't think the business is ever about any one job i think the i, I always look at the goal as like creating momentum you know momentum sort of shields you from the ups and the downs and now we're in a period where nothing has any momentum <laughs> all right it's sort of like all the moment and the momentum will come back it's not like there's not going to be entertainment anymore you know yeah all of it'll change some of it'll go back to the way it used to be but it, it is that sort of maddening thing of like oh well how do you how do you achieve a momentum when there's zero momentum because yeah. None of, none, of the, none of the engines are in place right now. No one knows how anything's going to shake out. Yeah.
1: And some things like, I think, you know, some things will fall to the wayside, much like, you know, restaurants and bars and stuff are going to have, are closing because like they, they can't generate the income to meet, to meet like the demands of rent. I, that's probably similar things in various, I don't know, networks that were on the cusp of trying to figure things out of like right. in this time when they can't produce anything and they're like, wait, wait, we have no product. <laughs> you know? Right, right. But what are they going to sell?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was, I, read, I was reading something that like, I hope this fact is right. If it's not right, I apologize. But I was pretty sure that I read that like Disney World laid off like 40,000 people. It was like some fucking, in- it was like the size of a town and like, would you say it's the size of a small world after
1: all? <laughs> Bye. I'm going to bed. How
3: do we not, how do we not end the podcast? <laughs> just, uh... I don't know how you don't just like after that, fuck. Yeah, that was it. I almost feel like we should just spike the ball and end the thing. Um, <laughs> but my, you know, it's horrible right now. But I but I feel like yeah, but it's not like Disney World is going to close. Like eventually yeah. they will reopen and hopefully they'll hire all those people back, right? Because they will need they will need all those people to work again at some point. And
1: it would be better to get them back than try to hire all these other folks you know, all these other folks. Yeah, I don't know. I I I, I remember like, I mean, kind of just recently, like even just on a small scale, like UCB had to like let some people go and everyone was up in arms about it. Well, not everyone, but some people were in it. It's just like that business is, was having a hard time before the quarantine. Right. Like if there are companies, if there are entities and organizations that are like on dancing on the wire, this right. is the thing that doesn't just poke, it shoves them off. And you can't to yeah. get, to get sort of like, I understand you can be sad, nervous, like what the hell is going to happen? especially if, especially if you're among those folks that lose that lose your employment but to hold it against the entity i feel feels a little bit misplaced
3: well it's hard yeah it's hard with big companies because i think part of it is like Oh, so you guys are only going to make 50 million dollars this year? <laughs> 50 million dollars this year you know, but when it comes to small businesses like I know a lot of comedy clubs are really having a hard time right now because Yeah. Like you said, they really do it is a sort of like on the wire business, you know, like they make their they make enough each month and then a little bit more to stay open, but then not being open for a few months, like how far can they fall behind where it's like I don't, I guess we're not a thing anymore, you know? Yeah. I
1: have a, I have a buddy who owns like a, like a nightclub bar here in LA. And he was just, he just told me, he's like flat out, I won't, you know, won't say the numbers, but he just told me like how much a month in rent that he owes. Right. And he's like, I, that cannot stay afloat for months on I will go bankrupt I will, lo- <laughs> it will be a financial destitution I just like oh man I don't even cuz I don't what do I know about running a club you know
3: Yeah yeah well yeah I mean I saw that uh that Swinger's closed on Beverly Yeah which, which was you know like a that place was legendary you know it's like holy shit but then I think well is someone gonna is that an opportunity for another person or company to kind of swoop in and save it? Like, is that an investment opportunity? I would kind of (sighs) hope, maybe there needs to be some kind of thing that's like geographic, um, where where you can look at a map of like your area. And these are all the businesses that are struggling. And if you want to invest, like if you want to donate or invest, like you can sort of, you know, help your community, your local businesses or whatever, like, stay on their feet, because it can be hard to sort of figure out like, well, you know, what's the state of everything? Like, is this cafe going to stay open? Is that coffee place? Is this, are they going to have jobs? And if I can help, how do I, you know, like there's a cafe that I would go to every morning and I hope, I hope they're all okay. I like all of those people, but if they're not, I don't even, I wouldn't even know who to reach out to, to say like, Hey, do you have like a GoFundMe or do you have like some way to like help the staff? I feel like, if someone could pull all that together, it would be really helpful so that we could all sort of see like this is the. Are you listening, Google? Are you listening? <laughs> well, I, I just
1: hope I hope it, I hope it's not what I hope it what I hope doesn't happen is this ends up being like some grand swythe, uh, no, not swithe, scythe Aside. that uh, that cuts down all the little guys, leaving only the big guys standing. And when it's time to rebuild, it's just like <laughs> monopoly. It's just like all
3: the conglomerates and tycoons go. "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." I don't think that, I don't think that'll be the, I mean, I I think there will be some of that for sure, but my, my hope and my, you know, I I do, I do hope that a lot of like, once people are allowed to have customers again, that a lot of these places will be able to sort of pick back up, even if they start over, uh, you know, I, 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 I hope there is a sense a strong sense of community that that, that comes out of this and when we're able to, it's like, oh, we're gonna start supporting maybe we'll support local businesses more than we would have before because we know now that it's vital for our community to support these people and and because don't it always seem to go.
1: You you don't know what you've got till it's gone. You paved
3: (laughs) paradise and put up a parking lot. Put up a parking lot. Paradise was there. Why a parking lot? Come on, baby. You know, my favorite part about that song is that I can't figure out if the laugh she does at the end, if that was like a thing that she did while they were recording, and they're like, that's cute, let's leave it in. Or if they're like, you know what this song really needs? <sighs> she does that, like pay, she goes all the way up to that high note. Uh that famous Joni Mitchell high note before like the cigarettes really took her down inactive octave. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> put up a parking. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> I like it. I
1: think that that doesn't happen enough in popular music. It happens, it happens in like indie music where they like leave it going for a bit and feel the fuddling and the, and the guitars clanging around. But like in modern pop music, it is so polished. There's no rough around the edges element to anything.
3: So you're saying we don't they, – they, they, uh, they shun the beta test is basically
1: what – And pop music, I think they are – the beta
3: – early access is kryptonite to modern pop music. But, the, but then going back to improv, this is, this is the best thing about improv. And, and also some of the best moments that I've ever had in my stand-up sets were just the, the accidents, like the mistakes. like the oh, things yeah. that, The things that go wrong that then you're able to – because that th- those are real moments and those are human moments and those are things that only happen in that specific instance and that's essentially your entire show is like that's what I that's what I, I I hunt for those moments if the show
1: goes along utterly smoothly and Ben and I for example know exactly where the other person's going and it's this this that would feel so bland that would feel that would, it wouldn't be funny it's the things it's the curveballs and the whoopsies and the and it's the oddities that like, oh, whoa, that's something. Let's latch onto that and make that a way bigger thing than an be. Do
3: you ever come away from a show and go, fuck, we should develop this into something more permanent, or we should this should be a show or this should be a thing? Or do you is it just like that was that, we're done, moving on? <laughs>
1: oh, like a particular show. I don't know. Ben and I have tried to sat down, sit down and write with each other, and it is it is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like an incredibly good and accomplished writer and I'm, you know, I'm meddling but like together it it's uh I don't know we can't settle on anything. I think I think this this medium of like making it up is what we do best. Um but maybe Someone else wants to jot down <laughs> jot down the final draft of what we do. That's
3: on them. Maybe you need to have someone come in with a gun and go, "All right, you have an hour. You work at a meat packing plant, and you're a <sighs> meat maid. Go!" And then you have to like, oh, shit. maybe maybe you're too accustomed to not overthinking it.
1: Yes. Hello Hollywood. We've got the script. <laughs> it's called Packers with a Z-, a Z at the end. But the but the.
3: <laughs> all right keep going it's um, not about the green bay packers it's it's meat, they're meat guys packers. no it's not about the green bay packers they're meat packers and then the other person writes tickets and then somehow through a series of mishaps they become unlikely friends and then yeah, and then the cartels after them and it's whoa the meat cartel you understand not the drug cartel there is <laughs> yes there's a meat cartel um, but now there actually might be a meat cartel <laughs> like, oh no,
1: yeah, it might
3: actually be oh,
1: yeah, I'm sure there's a reddit article somewhere about the meat cartel
3: oh i'm i'm there's no doubt in my mind but um uh that that idea of impermanence and also that idea of sort of like being in the moment and being in the pure present is it, it it's an amazing way to be able to live your life. Are you able to live your life that way or do you overthink everything when you're not on stage uh I try
1: to have elements to spontaneity and in the momentness um, for sure, but it I do I do often spin my wheels about I, f- I I find myself living in the future a lot and also living in the past. Like I spin my wheels about like what needs to happen in order for the things I want to occur, and then also like boy those things, both big and small, random and whatever that I that like happened boy I should spend a lot of time thinking about that and regretting that (laughs) 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 that should definitely keep me up for hours at night just being like oh yeah why did I say that to that person
3: (laughs) you know (laughs) like whatever that's a really funny way to sort of uh take some of the sting out of that stuff is when you do that to yourself to contextualize it that way boy I should really focus on saying that thing to the guy at that party and he must have hated me because I really need to I really need to think about this more. Like that's a fun way to contextualize it. Cause it just, <laughs> when you say it that way, it's like, Oh yeah, this is dumb. Why am I wasting my time? on this?
1: <laughs> yeah. My brain seems to like that kind of thing,
3: but yeah, I mean,
1: I do like a little bit of in the moment. I, I find like for me, because I got a pretty active gerbil on the hamster wheel. It's why I like, Escapism, like video games, or even like when I had I got my pilot's license, and you have to like kind of go to school again. Like you got to study and learn it, and that like offers some focus and some detachment than just being like, I gotta get the thing. I gotta. Why did I do that? It's like,
0: fuck, shut up.
3: We, we have we have a puppy right now, and when we don't walk him and keep him super engaged and burn out his energy, he's a fucking tornado. He's yeah, yes, he just needs stimulation and so we're just constantly trying to stimulate his developing brain so that he doesn't go crazy cuz dogs will go crazy and some some dogs will go crazy if they don't have the right amount of stimulation to kind of burn that hamster wheel in their brain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have any pets? Message. Yeah, two dogs. I just got this I just got this like toy for one. It's like a puzzle. Yep. You put the food in it; it kind of knocks it around, and then the food comes out. And he like batted it around, and then just didn't care afterwards. And I was like, "God damn it! Like, don't aren't you
3: bored? <laughs> I can see you just lying around. You don't want to like try the puzzle out a little bit more, you I don't?" Know why There's why I just food kind of, in there. I don't know why I got this image of your dog solving the puzzle, and then the wall split open, and these like Cenobites from Hellraiser come in and like an S and M. You passed the test. You are the chosen one. You are the goodest boy.
1: (laughs) Now come down and reign hell with
3: us forevermore. It's like these dogs and leather chains and fucking spikes in their face. Um, And I'm just like, God, who'd have thought Petco would have a gateway to hell? Jesus, Carol Baskins. (laughs) There's There's an Instagram link sketch in there somewhere. (laughs) Some joke somewhere. Come on, baby. I feel like we're we're also in the age of like, nothing is too stupid. Like everyone just wants distraction right now. So no, like all oh. ideas, like people are so forgiving because there's the context now of like, yeah, I know this is dumb, but I was bored and I don't know what else to do with my time. And people are like, yeah, we get it. It's fine. We're- oh,
1: yeah. I'm all about, oh, I got a friend who's very tapped into like good TikTok videos. Yeah. I'm all about getting that supply of just like parents being parents. <laughs> and like teen, teen, like teen skits that are very memey and, and TikToky that are like pretty funny. I just like give me a stupid ten second glimpse into something human and silly. I'm all about
3: it. I was so anti TikTok. Even like a month ago, I I even. I even think I said on Spade's show, like, yeah, this one, this. I feel like I'm crashing a high school party as like an old guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it is isn't it. young, <laughs> and so I feel very old. But now that like people, like so many other people, have embraced TikTok just as a thing to do, now I'm kind of backpedaling and like, maybe I should be making videos on there because it's like now's the time. If I was ever going to do it, and I don't, I think people would understand. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you
1: need to make stuff if you want. I know. I just like I think about like the work the work that I dread every time I feel like I've got to like increase my social media presence on Instagram. Cause that's the only thing I have. It's like, yeah. God, do I really want to do another one? <laughs> like I already hate this one. <laughs> do, I have, do I have it in me
3: for another? Do I need, do I I need to learn another platforms like uh, sub language and like, yeah. Oh, this has to end with a joke. And then it's gotta be this. And then if you got a lip sync in this part and it, and then <sighs> just that discovery process. Yeah. That part of it just, that, that really does sort of make me feel like, Hey, your old dad can make a tic-tac, right? You know, like, (laughs) yeah, I just don't know. But then I have so many friends who are comedians who are fucking killing it right now, just like making great stuff. And I, I just wonder, like, I think your brain just has to work in a different way where you just don't it's like, yeah, it's work, but it's worth it. And I, to me, it just feels like, am I going to make that much effort for a thing that I, I, I like to learn a whole new language basically.
1: Yeah. I've also, I've also developed and it didn't start out this way, but I've developed a, a like a legitimate, like, I guess posting anxiety in which I, I like, I will put something on Instagram that I think is maybe like funny or whatever. And then I'm immediately like, Oh my gosh, I, is it not, it's probably not that funny. I should take this down or like, I, I, I yeah, yeah, I do actually. Uh, because, I just have, I just have anxiety about it all. I don't know. As the years have gone by, I've just developed a a, a, a scaredness of media in general. Like it, it, it can askew things in such bizarre ways that I'm just like, I don't think I trust it fully.
3: <laughs> well, also, like if you listen, if you whiff a joke at a live show, there's another joke that's right around the corner. Like people, the movement yeah. of it. It's just like a river; it just washes right past. But if you whip a joke on social media, there's it's a like, fa- <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> a snapshot of failure that people can just poke holes in, or you yeah, know, like I, uh, I had a, I had this stupid idea for a thing that I wanted to post. From did you watch Tiger King? I uh, Bits and pieces. I actually listened to the podcast like
1: a, a year ago, so I know it. Yeah,
3: you know. So uh, yeah, I had a friend of mine who does like a lot of pop culture, and I was like, oh, l- make a make a thing where He-Man is like Joe Exotic with the mullet and he's holding up Cringer as a cub and then She-Ra is like taking a selfie of herself holding up the... And I made it and I looked at it and I was like, you know what? This almost feels like I'm somehow... Like, the. it was so sad what was happening with these cubs that I don't <laughs> want people to take it that way. Like, oh, you think it's funny that someone was exploiting these poor creatures? And so I just never posted it because... I I just thought, oh, this isn't, if this lands in a weird way, it's going to be like, people are going to be like, fuck you. like, no, 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 no. I was just trying to make it dumb. I swear to God, I wasn't making fun of this one thing. I just thought He-Man as Tiger King would be really funny. I'm so sorry. Like there's so many opportunities to like bum people out and whiff a joke uh, on social media that it just doesn't, like a lot of it's just not worth it. Like, was it worth it for the indulgent, like response that i was trying to get is it worth it
1: yeah no i know especially when we live in a world where everyone on twitter for example is perfect and always right and every (laughs) every time you show fallacy they're like see
3: (laughs) you're like but wait no what what are you talking about but you only ever see the whole pokers is the thing like Oh they, yeah. You know, there's only a, there's a handful of hole pokers, but they're the ones that you're going to see because they're the most active, and you know, angry. They hurt the most, Chris. They, they the really most. do hurt the most. And then for especially for a joke, it just sucks because you're like, God, this wasn't worth it. Like it just wasn't. No. It just wasn't Not worth enough. it. I didn't need to do this. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, okay, it's time to commit. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey
2: today with Byte. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone, with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com.
3: Did um uh is this the special is out April 21st, right? Correct. And there are three of them? There are three, all
1: completely different. All completely made up on the spot. And so and you're done with Silicon Valley. Done with Silicon Valley, and I had shot a CBS pilot like a like a multicam sitcom. So that could be a new world in which I embark on if that show gets picked up. And then Uh, There's some animation. There's a show on Hulu. Uh, Justin Roiland is doing a new show called Solar Opposites and I'm lucky enough to voice a character on that.
3: Fantastic! When does that come out? May something. Oh, no. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know Rick and Morty's coming back in May, too. Uh, Now, that's a guy who I feel like he's going to be fine because all the stuff that he makes you can make remotely. Yeah, all, yeah. All the animators, all the writers, everyone can work remotely. He can record voices. Everyone can record voices at their home. You know, like it's yeah. it, it's, it's a just, golden era of animation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a great time to to be in animation right now. A fucking great time. <sighs> I do. I also think it's interesting with Silicon Valley. What's happened with series now is when they know a show is finishing, and they'll go like the final season. Mm-hmm. I do think there is kind of a blessing in that because. You know it's, you know, like, you get to wrap up a story in the way that, like, in a tra- in traditional media, it's like, hey, are we going to get picked up? I don't know. Was last season the last season? Maybe. Who knows? I have no idea. Uh, Some shows brave, yeah. just end, like, open, which sucks for the audience. Yeah, they fizzle out. Did you guys, did you feel like you kind of got to map out the arc the way that you wanted to?
1: Oh, yeah. I I actually feel very satiated with how that that show ended i think it's like i think it was and it was perfectly the show of the successes mixed with failure every time they hold their hands up to celebrate someone punches them in the dick yeah. like it's just it it's it's always bittersweet and i i i really liked that show the, the way that show ended. and i also like that there's a bit of a cliffhanger you know mike and Alec, uh, you know, playfully bat around the idea of like maybe we'll come back some years later and do like I don't know a bonus thing. And I'm I'm game. I think that'd be super fun.
3: And so, is your plan now like uh, I mean, is CBS's plan like is everything just all pickups and everything are on hold? Like no one has any idea. They're just kind of extending it out until I would assume so. Like but this is a Chuck Lorre show, so I'd say like I mean, who knows.
1: Knock on wood. Like I think the odds are fairly good, but like since no one knows even when it's possible to shoot again, I think they're prob- they're they're holding off on ordering anything. Um, but when it sort of feels like you're allowed to go to a place of work for a non-essential, then yeah. We might, we, I don't know, hopefully, or maybe not. Maybe I'll be <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> Back to the drawing board.
3: Did, did you, did, were you guys able to shoot with an audience or does it not? Yeah, have? we were like one of the last ones with an audience. Oh my God. That's crazy! I had a friend who did a pilot at another network and they pulled the audience last minute. So they just did their pilot to nobody. He <laughs> was like, yeah, it was a little weird.
1: I, I, I've only done one other multi-cam and it was a no audience multi-cam. It was so, it felt so awkward. It's just doing these things, holding for laughs. (laughs) It's it's so weird. It's awful. And you got the crew kind of like, yeah, like trying to help, you know, it's like those, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, whatever. I'm trying to think of the shows that do that.
3: Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are shows that basically just add the canned laughter, but I can't, I I just don't know how you would, I just don't know. I, you need something. Like, again, you need something to feed off yeah. of. But at least with Silicon Valley, like with single camera stuff, you can get the rhythm of it. But a sitcom is such a specific rhythm that is based on holding for laughs. Like, you can't... Yeah, it's, like a, no it's other a play. Way. There's no other way to do it. That's what it is. You're literally
1: in a proscenium, like, performing kind of like three quarters, you know? Like, you need, <laughs> you need that stuff. And you know what? Like, that was the first time I'd seen, like... Um, like a multicam audience get warmed up. And there's, I guess we got like one of the guys, the guys, he kept the crowd work going for like three and a half hours. He was insane. He got people screaming. And I was just like, you must be so stoked! You just came from Universal Studios or something, and you're here, you're in Hollywood. You must be so excited to the point where if this guy's like, "Hey, you scream," you're like, "Ah!" You're shredding your voice. You must be so pumped, and that like warm up is like good energy. That's the type of energy that you get to do your show in front of, as opposed to nothing. You yeah. get you get people who are like, "I want to be here." You know?
3: so crazy warm warm up is the most I think one of the probably one of the hardest jobs in comedy and one of the most underappreciated jobs in comedy because you can tell a difference when an audience is not warmed up and it is necessary like our first our first month a few month of shows on at midnight there was no warm up and it and it always felt harder to get the audience going a little bit and as a result the comedians were going real blue real fast because I think they were just trying to get a reaction out of the audience right like Maybe we need the audience warmed up so that everyone's more comfortable, and then you have a good you know you have a good warm up you know in our case, it was Brody Stevens whom I miss, and um he warmed up the audience in such a beautiful way, and it really makes a huge difference yeah uh, and so when you get one of those guys that whips them up into a frenzy, it's like I hope you're paying this guy, you should be paying this guy as much as you're paying the cast because yeah. the show does not work without what this guy is doing with the audience. Yeah,
1: and it's got, it was like, he had all these tricks, like he's like got all these, these kind of games to play and stuff. Cause it's not just like warming up for like 10 minutes and then like, all right, here's the show. He's like every time in between takes it's this, it was like three and a half hours of constant crowd work. I was was blown away. And he was like, it was a little cheesy, but it was like fun. It got everybody like going. I was very impressed.
3: So in general, as we're wrapping this up, you, you you feel okay. Like, do you, you know, like you, you feel, is it sort of like a day to day thing? Like, yeah, I feel weird. I don't know. Just for people who are fans of yours who feel connected to you, what are you doing besides, is there anything else you're doing besides video games to sort of just like stay stay okay i'm going on walks yeah um
1: i feel like what's yeah i'm trying to like make sure i i i get out of the house and like breathe air and remain socially distant yes um and um i'm doing like drawing and like chatting with people on friends I managed on zoom uh, I have managed to have like a a really good D &D group and we're still keeping the campaign going fantastic uh you know just like little bits to keep entertained but yeah to be honest like it it's it's boring it's a lot it's not the funnest I feel like it's kind of like the lamest vacation you
3: can have (laughs) (laughs) sweet I got three months off staying in (laughs) I got three months up, but I can't go anywhere, and do anything.
4: All
0: right. Yeah, man.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: and feel tremendous anxiety that? when I even shop for groceries. So yeah, I'm just like it's pretty mild. I'm watching like shows that I shouldn't, that I should have watched. I finally watched The Mandalorian, like that should have been something I've watched ages ago. But
3: yeah, yeah, it is, it is. It is. We are we are playing a lot of catch up with stuff. I mean, you know, but I still feel like every night we sit down and we're like, what are we gonna watch tonight? And it still feels like there's almost too much choice there's oh i know too much choice is almost no choice because you're just overwhelmed like i don't know which you know which one of these auto trailers on netflix is is a winner i have no idea yeah oh i tell you what last night i saw cats
1: Uh, and look (laughs) (laughs) I realized the collective consciousness really loves to like shit on cats, right? Like, wow, the CG, it all looks fucking weird. I don't think it looks weird. I kind of like the anthropomorphic thing. I like the weird sets are big. Everything's exaggerated. We're living in a fantasy world. I thought the choreography was great. I thought everybody acting-wise did a great job. I think the songs are fun. I think the problem with Cats the movie is not the movie. It's Cats the musical. It makes no fucking sense. (laughs) So if you're mad at cats, the movie, you're just mad at Andrew. (laughs) The movie, it needed, it needed a few rewrites. It needed some scenes, some context, like what the fuck does this mean? You're ascending in the the sky at the fucking jellical night, Jellicle ball. It it needed a rewrite, but the actual execution of the film, I thought was pretty fun. It was a, it was a fantasy fantasy world. That's
3: a perfect example. By the way, cats, like, Listen, like you know, The Simpsons was making fun of the of cats like twenty five years ago for being this like <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Ooh ah, you know, ooh jazz yeah. cat, you know. But yeah. that's a perfect example of something that was was really meant to be experienced in person. Just the fucking weirdness of it in person, I imagine. Yeah, you, know, you need to look from the outside and go, "What the fuck? Why are these people and why do they have like cat manes and tails?" But if you were there. I don't know. I I can imagine as a live show experience, it was probably weird and kind of silly and fun, you know? Yeah. But it's also written, I think
1: like in the, I think in the eighties or something, the seventies, eighties. And it's like, it it feels of the time. Like it feels like it was written then. Like just the the very convoluted dialogue, the sort of like prototype fantasy stuff is just like, oh my God, like this this just needed to be updated a little bit.
3: It's easy to shit on the ridiculousness of it, but maybe it was a show that was born by, uh, maybe there were drugs involved if it, uh, if it was written during that period of time. Maybe there was a little bit of drugs. It's almost,
1: it's a little bit like Les Mis in the sense that like, there's not a lot of scenes in between. He's just right onto the next song. And it's like, what the, what the musical is, it's just like, here's this cat, Okay. He does this. And then there's this cat. Okay, she does this. And you're just learning about different cats. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it sort of felt like an ode to, if you love cats and you can't get enough of cats, and you're like, cats, 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 cats. And you got like cat sweaters. This is, and you're like, oh yeah, that's Mitzi. She's this kind of cat. Oh yeah, she's a tabby cat. And you're just like a cat obsessed person. Cats is your fucking favorite thing in the world. But to everybody else, it's just like, okay, we get it. Chill.
3: <laughs> Basically your point of view is don't fuck with cats the musical <laughs>
1: yeah i think that i think cats the movie was cool but cats the musical
3: not it needs work <laughs> <laughs> it needs work it does <laughs> send some notes after like 30 yeah. years or whatever yeah we'll yeah we'll do another one and this time i'll be in it <laughs> Cats too t-o-o <laughs> yeah. look who's um, cat now i don't uh, i feel like it is probably uncomfortable for you to sit in your bathtub any longer so i'll let you go but if uh i don't know like if you if you're ever bored or if you need anything or if you i don't know just reach out I, we're all here i'm here you know i don't know I okay just, i just always want to i just always want to offer that to people that i know like someone said something really interesting to me yesterday where they go you know if if you think about someone, if you're wondering about someone, just reach out to them. Now's the time where you just reach out to them, or you talk to people that you don't normally talk to to connect. You know, like just to stay connected or whatever. But you know, I, I don't know. I'm around. If you need anything, if you if you need oh. any, you need to distract yourself for a half hour. You know, or anything. Just just let me know. Thank you, sweetie boy. Same here. You are you are you are a. You're a kind, hilarious man, and uh, I'm very excited to see your special. And Thanks, man. Uh, I hope you like it. I, it's going to be amazing. I mean, I'm I'm still able to watch improv as like an as an audience member and not as a comedian, where I go, huh. oh, I see what they did there. Like, I genuinely, I'm a laugher, and I like I like to watch and I like to be entertained. Oh, cool. It, it hasn't, it, be, hasn't it, has, it hasn't gotten to you yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't been burned by it yet. But again, that's still like improv to me is the other side of the fence. So right. t- yeah, yeah, yeah. like I still am that person who's like, how do they do that? Like I still, yeah. like I still have uh, wonder and Marvel at it. it. Yes. 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 All right. The end. ID 10T scanning
2: complete. Enjoy your burrito.
4: Look around. You can find cars like these on auto trader.